0: My mom wears her bold shirt every day. Every mom should wear a bold movement. I love matching my mama. I love having a bold mom. And right now, you can receive free shipping on all orders over $50. Don't forget to check out our Bible studies. Go out and be bold.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Talk Bible to Me podcast. I'm your co-host, Megan Rawlings. And this is Emily Richardson. And we are so excited to be here today as we dive into Hosea chapter 5. But before we do that, let's play a little bit of music. guys, and welcome back. Today we are going to be reading Hosea chapter 5, and I have the NLT version. Emily, what version do you have? I have the ESV. So we're going to flip flop, guys, and it's going (laughs) to be a wild ride, but you're going to love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I will start off, if you don't mind, um, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 2. Hear this, you priests, Pay attention, you leaders of Israel. Listen, you members of the royal family. Judgment has been handed down against you, for you have led the people into a snare by worshiping the idols at Mizpah and Tabor, and you have dug a deep pit to trap them at Acacia Grove, but I will settle with you for what you have done. Emily, what do you have to say about that?
0: <laughs> you kind of found, sounded like, like an announcer on The Hunger Games. You know, like very sweetly announcing doom.
1: <laughs> well, I'm I'm happy to be sweetly announcing doom. <laughs> you know, I, I can't lie. I don't have my glasses on. And or it said um, you have dug a deep pit. For some reason, I almost said dung. And I'm really <laughs> glad I didn't. Because that's not what it says.
0: <laughs> I outed yourself. So no going back now.
1: Well, I do have the power of editing. (laughs)
0: Oh, boy. Chapter five is a warning to the priests, the people, and the king. (laughs)
1: That's what I've got. (laughs) That's a really good observation, Emily. So, in (laughs) the first verse. No, in the first couple of verses, there is something that I would like to acknowledge. And it's a little bit of grammar for you guys. You know how great Emily and I are at grammar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was reading in Douglas Stewart's commentary um, on Hosea chapter 5. Well, on Hosea and in chapter 5, he talks about each unit having these elements, right? These major elements. And he says there's three imperatives. Um, which an imperative if you don't know means like a command. So there's three commands and a judgment sentence. And then in the second unit, there are three accusations connected with the three scattered sites. So I just want to break that up. So the imperatives that you hear, the first one is here, um, when it says, What's it say, Emily? I'll say I'll say what the imperative is and you read the verse for me, okay? Okay. The first imperative, the first command is here.
0: Mine says hear this, o priests.
1: So, here and the addressee is the priests. The second command is pay attention, O house of Israel. The addressee is the family of Israel. And then the third is listen, O house of the king. The addressee is the family of the king. And, uh, sorry, the family of the king. So, here, pay attention and listen. And then, paralleling that a little bit, we have the three accusations um, since you have been trapped, a net spread, a pit. And then there's three places as well Mizpah, Tabor, and then um, I don't know how to say that, and I'm scared to say it wrong. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Shit him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See,
0: I don't have that one in my translation. Oh, really? No, just I, don't I just I have the
1: and the LT. Um, I have
0: Mizbah and Taper. Um, I wonder if and, it's like
1: Casia Grove then.
0: Maybe. Just shit him.
1: <laughs> yep, it is. I don't enjoy saying that. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I was with the word whoredom at the beginning of this season. Oh man, these folks really need to name their towns a little bit better for the English <laughs> language. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, so I just thought that was really interesting with the commands, the addressees, and then um, what happens right after that. So, do you have anything else for the first couple verses?
0: Yeah, just a just an interesting um, piece of information, I guess. Mizpa and Tabor were likely places of hunting. And so my commentary talks about this, that the figure here is of people being hurt as if being hunted and trapped by the religious and civil leaders of the day and not just hunted, but slaughtered <clears throat> just as a, a picture of how badly they had gotten into their sin and their sacrifices and their false religions, that it was like the religious leaders and civil leaders of the day were basically trapping them into these false beliefs and slaughtering them spiritually.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're so right. I mean, Hosea is calling out the priests and political leaders to hear what Mm -hmm. God's telling them. And he, those, those three, um, imperatives, those three commands are all, Hey, pay attention, Mm -hmm. listen, hear anyone. When, when we talk about studying scripture, when things are repetitive, we tell you to circle them or pay close attention. Um, if the Bible says something once is important, if it repeats itself, pay attention. Yeah.
0: Great. Okay. You want me to read, are we on verse three? Yeah, girl. How, how far you want to go? Um you decide. Okay. <laughs> well, I can just do three and four. It's the way that it's, great. that it's split up in mine. Uh, <laughs> let's see. It says, I know that remember this is ESD. I know Ephraim and Israel is not hidden from me. For now, O Ephraim, you have played the whore. Israel is defiled. Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. For the spirit of whoredom is within them, for and they know not the Lord. So a little note that I had on this one is that uh, verse four, their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. It seems interesting because, you know, we know a God who always takes his people if they come to him, right? But our deeds are... Are our fruit of who we really are and what our heart really is about and i think that the way we act and the things that we do are a visual of where our heart is truly with lord and if we are calling out lord lord but we're not actually living our lives for him then uh, we just have words and not actions and these people in particular Their hearts desired prostitution in every form, not just sexual, but spiritual prostitution. And their deeds did not allow them to return to their God because they were not. I mean, as it says, the spirit of whoredom is within them. They know not the Lord. They only knew what they wanted to know.
1: Yeah. Um, Another reason for judgment that's happening here is that religious prostitution, the priests have encouraged it. And Mm. God knows um, about their corrupt, adulterous behaviors. Um, it's not something that can be hidden. And I think as children, we always like, if I can't see it, it can't see me like the boogeyman in the closet kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, if I can't see it, it can't see me. And and if you notice little kids will like, if you're playing peekaboo, they'll hide their face, but not their body. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same kind of concept where it's like, we try to hide from God, but it's, there's no hiding from God. Yeah. He can see it all. And he can see your sins. You can't hide them. And I think that's actually one of the beautiful (laughs) aspects of God is that like, I don't, it's not like I'm going to shock him with my sins. Like he already knows.
0: Yeah. And I find it should be a burden lifted to know that he knows all that already.
1: Yeah. Um, Another thing, um, in in contrast to God's knowledge of Israel um, and Israel's sins, um, I think Israel lacks this. Personal knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, like, they didn't have godly priests teaching them. Um, they weren't having godly worship at their temples. Um, and when you are not being taught correctly and you're not worshiping, then there's not going to be a change that takes place. Yeah. Um, because you can't change what you don't know. And so, yeah. I think one of the reasons it's hard for them to return to their covenant covenantal partnership is because they don't even know what the covenant or the God who the covenant is is, or what the covenant is if that makes any sense
0: yeah yeah the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord and knowledge of the Lord right so if you do not know who he is and you're not seeking knowledge from him instead of worldly cultural things then what you know is probably going to be the foolishness of the world instead of the wisdom of God.
1: Absolutely. All right, let's do verses five and six. The arrogance of Israel testifies against her. Israel and Ephraim will stumble under their load of guilt. Judah too will fall with them. When they come with their flocks and herds to offer sacrifices to the Lord, they will not find him because he has withdrawn from them. I think it's really important to note here that it says um, in, at the end of verse 6, because he has withdrawn from them, this is in an Old Testament, Old Covenant context. Today, um, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And so um, this is different. Um and so this is not to be applied to today when you mess up and you straightway um the mm. spirit leaving you this is specific to the situation prior to the gospel of Jesus Christ happening.
0: Yep. Yeah, and with that that in this verse is talking about with their my version says with their flocks and herds they shall go to seek the Lord and this is talking about the sacrifices that they would make. They would go to these mountaintops with all of their sacrifices to give to the Lord, but they, to get his favor, but they didn't have any, like I said before, any evidence of that true faith. So it was just, it was just a mere sacrifice. It was not a, a heart change. And so it's the same idea that they, they weren't actually seeking him. They were seeking his favor. They were seeking his approval with their sacrifices, but they weren't actually changing The way they were living and so with this old testament way that the lord would withdraw it was his way of saying if you're not drawing near to me i'm not going to draw near to you and you're not actually drawing near to me with your hearts right now Uh, and i think it's also interesting too that your versions of arrogance mine says the pride of israel testifies to his face and just pride goes before a downfall and this idea of arrogance or pride they're steeped in the sin of idolatry. They'd grown arrogant against God because they thought they could do it all based on these gods they had created or the other gods they were following or just simply their own hearts. And pride is going to make you stumble. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great time. Not at all. <laughs> I'll just do, I'll do seven through 12. Sure. Unless that's too much, but I'll go for it. They have, dealt felt, they have dealt faithlessly with the Lord, for they have borne alien children. Now the new moon shall devour them with their fields. That sounds freaky. Blow the horn in Gabeah, the trumpet in Ramah, sound the alarm at Bethhaven. We follow you, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall become a desolation in the day of punishment among the tribes of Israel. I make known what is sure. The princes of Judah have become like those who move the landmark. Upon them I will pour out my wrath like water. Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment, because he was determined to go after filth. But I am like a moth to Ephraim, and like dry rot to the house of of Judah.
1: Wow. So basically, God has confirmed the verdict, and he's legitimized it in verses Mm -hmm. 1 through 7. And now he's announcing this war um, against Israel. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And Hosea encourages the warriors to... Battle up. What do you have on this?
0: Um, verse 10, I thought it was really interesting. I was curious to understand what what does that mean? Like those who move the landmark, what is that talking about? And basically back then, a landmark, um, moving the landmark, you had boundary stones, and that was where you showed where your property went. So it's your property lines. And so they were basically saying. The princes of Judah have become like those who move their property lines and they're saying in secret, basically, they move their property lines without telling their neighbor that they're moving their property lines, except what what God's talking about here is it's not just physical property lines, it's spiritual property lines. They're moving those lines of what's right and wrong and they're doing it in secret so that over time, those lines are kind of becoming fuzzy about what's right and what's wrong to the point where... Um, they don't even know what's what's the true God and what's an idol, which I think is
1: really relevant today. Uh I think we're yeah. doing the same thing. <laughs> I think this is a common theme for human humanity as a whole.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. History repeats itself.
1: Ooh. Unfortunately.
0: Yep. Okay. What you got? Ooh, I had another note on verse seven, if we want to backtrack. Okay. A little bit. <laughs> it's really relevant for this week so i'm just gonna i'm gonna just go ahead and say it um verse seven says they have dealt faith man i don't every time i try to read that part they have dealt faithlessly with the lord for they have born alien children now the new moon shall devour them with their fields and my commentary, which is the Expositor's Bible Commentary, by the way, uh, says parents had reared their children in their own sinful ways rather than in the fear of God. The new moon would devour them because this was their idol worship and would bring about their ruin. So they were, they were, basically prostituting and getting pregnant under the new moon, and this was a, a form of worship for them. Which maybe this is just me. <laughs> you know, reading into where we're at in our culture. But I just see that we are doing the opposite today. Mm -hmm. We are not rearing children in our sinful ways, but we are um, aborting them. (laughs) We are getting rid of children in our sinful ways because we want our own things. We have our idols and we have the things that we're worshiping, not necessarily a new moon. Well, you know what? Some people do worship a new moon because I think a lot of new age practices are pretty relevant too. But this idea that if you are not, Um, raising your family or not raising a family in a way that honors God, there will be consequences for that. And God cares about family and he cares about the way the family is raised and he cares about how we see our children, that they're not just um, a product of our idol worship. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Absolutely relevant today (laughs) i'm gonna read 13 and 14 when israel and judah saw how sick they were israel turned to assyria to the great king there but he could neither help nor cure them i will be like a lion to israel like a strong young lion to judah i will tear them to pieces i will carry them off and no one will be left to rescue them holy smokes in this section um the metaphors that he's using good gracious mm-hmm. and this is of god's future dealings with um israel and judah the guilty yeah. parties what do
0: you think yeah i mean not a place i'd want to be in that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> um it's bold figures of speech and it's judgment and it's uh they are letting themselves be, I mean, they're causing their own wounds, really, by what they're doing. Um.
1: I want to read, um, I'm going to quote Gary Smith again. He's um, the NIV application uh, commentary. It's not, what is that? NIV, yeah, application commentary good. Um, this kind of goes back a little bit to verse 12 as well, but I thought it was really interesting. I should have mentioned it before and I didn't because I had it with my notes with 13 and 14. Um, these daring comparisons suggest that Israel and Judah would be like an injured soldier whose wounds are festering with terrible infection. Instead of cleaning, caring for or healing these wounds of war so that, (laughs) so that his people can get better, God will be infecting them with more misery. Mm-hmm. Hosea is jarring his audience awake by showing that God will fight against them rather than for them if they continue with these war plans.
0: Hmm.
1: I said that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not the picture of God that we like to hear about,
0: you know, it's, we want to hear of the God who's loving no matter what and accepting no matter what, but he's serious about sin. In our hearts, we want justice done. And really, I would say in our hearts, we want boundaries because, I mean, I look at my own children and they push my buttons all day long. And really, it's because they want to know that they're safe with me. They want to know that I'm going to do what I need to do to keep them safe, even if it drives them absolutely mad. It's their way of figuring out what those boundaries are and making sure that they're going to be protected and that those boundaries are consistent. And if If I struggle with that as a parent and I don't do that for them, then they're literally like wild animals running around doing whatever they want. But there's meltdowns constantly because they don't feel that sense of protection if I'm not being just with them. And so I feel like that's exactly what what God does for us. He does what we wish other people would do. He does what we hope we see in those movies or what we hope our parents will do for us deep down. I know like we don't want to admit it, but. We all long for those boundaries because boundaries means there's something true. Boundaries means that we have something to fight for. And boundaries means that there is absolute truth. Because if there's no boundaries, then there's no absolute truth and we can do whatever we want.
1: <laughs> so Israel realizes its vulnerability of um that the wounds that have festered and God has threatened to basically infect, right? Mm-hmm. They understand that vulnerability and they worsen it by seeking relief from Israel rather than mm-hmm. God. Now, here's where it gets good. Although Judah is not directly um, in trouble for going to Assyria, in this verse, in 2 Kings chapter 16, it does record Ahaz's request for help from the Assyrians mm-hmm. during the Syro. Ephraimite war. Yes, I did read that sentence from my very good friend um, who I've never met, Gary Smith. But I do think it's interesting that we do these cross references. So it shows that although it's not explicitly here, we know in other parts of scripture we let scripture interpret itself. Scripture interprets yep. scripture. Yep. Um, they're still, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, they are still relying on on Assyria instead of God and that is like infuriating and I'm sitting here like you're so dumb but how often do I rely (laughs) on my sinful nature? We
0: do the same thing all the time.
1: Um, The picture of God is a destructive lion. Do you have anything about that?
0: Uh, I don't actually so if you do go for it.
1: Yeah so um, have you ever tried to wrestle a lion? Every day you know. how's that go for you (laughs) no I think um, I think the imagery here is that you're not going to go fight a lion because you're not going to win you're not going to be able to stop him and Assyria um, is trying to bring Israel and Judah to defeat and God is just like no Hmm. he's full of sovereignty he has power um, and it's natural for people to fear, uh, the powers that be Assyria, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this is Hosea's warning to them that you should be more concerned with the power of God than the power of Assyria. Yeah. That's no good. One, no one's going to get away from God's final judgment. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. Verse 15. Do it. Okay. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face and in their distress earnestly seek me.
1: So, I'm going to read this bridging context because um, that's what I do. I just quote commentaries. <laughs> <Apparently>. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, why paraphrase? If they said it good, just say it, right?
0: <laughs> Easier that way.
1: Well. I'm editing that out, because that was not very nice. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> I have been, like, studying so much, you have to forgive me. Since Hosea, um, chapter 5, verses 1 through 14, are tightly connected to specific events in the historical warfare between Israel and Judah, any attempt to apply this passage must be tied to the broad principles underlying God's message through Hosea not to the events themselves. This section is an example of what any nation should not do if they want to avoid the wrath of God's judgment, which I think is very applicable in in today, right now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in this situation we're in. Three bridging concepts support what Hosea announces in these verses. One, God holds leaders responsible.
0: Mm.
1: Two, sin separates people from God. And three, military solutions do not solve spiritual problems hmm ouch yeah. do you have anything else
0: um just yeah just real quick you can reference back to verse 6 with this verse and seeking the lord because if you notice in verse 6 it talks about they go up and they seek the lord and they don't find him but then in this verse it says until they acknowledge their guilt." and seek my face. And in their distress, earnestly seek me. So that what happens before they seek him is they acknowledge that they're guilty. And so the reason they could not find him before is because of their pride that they were mm-hmm. refusing to, to acknowledge that they had problems and that they had turned from God. And so God is saying, once you acknowledge that and seek my face, then you will have me then you can have a relationship with me but if you're not willing to acknowledge that you're a sinful person and that you have turned your face from me then there is no seeking my face you will not see my face but when you decide to turn and you call on my name in humility and put down your pride then um, it's that idea of why do you call me lord lord but not do what I say you know Mm -hmm. so there has to be an acknowledgement of sin for the Israelites and for us today before we can have a true relationship with Jesus. We have to be able to acknowledge that we need him first. Yes, we love him and he loves us. Uh, but if we don't acknowledge first that we need him to be able to have life, then that relationship is, is basically just built out of our pride, which isn't really a relationship at all.
1: Yeah. Um, pride binds for sure. I have a quote from the Valley of Vision. Be happy in him, O my heart, and in nothing but God. For whatever a man trusts in, from that he expects happiness. Hmm. He who is the ground of thy faith should be the substance of thy joy. Hmm. I don't know. Just spelled a there.
0: That's good. We just did, my husband and I just finished a series at our church about family and marriage, and the whole idea was that the purpose of our life is not happiness, it's holiness.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. To be set <laughs> apart and clapping. I don't know if yeah. that I don't know if that translated well via mic. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yep. It's good. Oh, very good. All right, ladies. This is an extension of the boldmovement.com, a women's ministry. And if you are interested in hearing more, go check us out you can hit that subscribe button. You can give us five stars. You can leave comments and you can tell all your friends about it. What do you say, Emily? Please do. Please do that. We're <laughs> <banning> you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you want to support us monetarily, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash bold movement. Until next time,
0: go out and be bold.